Hello and welcome to Every Word Jesus Spoke, uh, the podcast that tries to go through every word Jesus spoke in the New Testament and uh, to, uh, to gain better understanding what it meant in its original context and as well as uh, to figure out what that might mean for us today. I am one of your hosts, Reverend Jonathan Kleinsmith. With me is the Reverend Dr. Dighton L. Owen. Dighton, how's it going? It's going well. I, uh, uh, today, uh, just in case you guys couldn't tell, we, we have a different microphone setup, so it might sound bad. Um, also, I find myself, like, because we've set it up a little bit on the side, um, like it's a computer microphone, I find myself looking over at the computer instead of at Dighton. So this conversation seems like a man talking to a computer and then another man talking to another man who's talking to a computer. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's exactly so what is happening. <laughs> exactly so right. uh, your brain is not playing playing tricks on you. But also, if your brain was able to put that together, give yourself that's some pat on the back. So, a, a, with no visual cues, you were able to figure <laughs> that out. It's impressive. Uh, that it is yeah. impressive. impressive. Uh, so today we're talking about uh, scripture in Ma- Mark chapter two. We made it to Mark chapter We've two. We made it to chapter two. So After what, 13 weeks. Yeah, we, we are one sixteenth of the way there. We are. Uh, so, I, I mean, in John, we're already in, in chapter four or five. Uh, yeah, we would be know. well ahead of, Matt, of Mark. Yeah. If we were studying yeah. John. So, uh, but, you know, still making progress. That's, that's all we really care about is talking that's about right. the words of Jesus. Uh, when we finish is is up in the air. But we're going to someday. That's right. One of these days, this will be done. So we're going to be in uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And we're going to be talking about Jesus healing a paralytic. Part 1, the setup. Um, and this is a really interesting episode. Just to introduce some of our characters, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to have Jesus. He seems like an important one. He keeps popping up yeah, I've, I noticed he seems to be a recurring character recurring in most character. of these words that Jesus <laughs> spoke. Um, we are going to have um, a crowd, and uh, they are there uh, to receive healing. Um, and uh, and we're also going to see a man who is healed, who is paralytic, and we're going to see his friends who would do something a little bit unique to get him, uh, to get Jesus's attention. Um, and then some of the themes that we're going to be dealing with are obviously healing, oh, yeah, healing. Uh, sin, um, faith, um, friendship, right? right. My, my daughter likes to watch My Little Ponies and Friendship is Magic. Maybe they'll sponsor the show someday. Yeah. Hasbro, are you listening? <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, um, so that, that kind of gives us our cast of characters and our, our overall themes. What, what do we need else do we need to know about the context as we jump into this passage? Jesus is, what, returning now to Capernaum from mm-hmm. part of Galilee? Yeah. Where he's been teaching and, and other things, and now he's back in Capernaum. And this, what is it, this story makes up, uh, what, part of the, what I call the controversy stories jesus heals or jesus claims authority that the pharisees think he shouldn't have or doesn't have and and um, some other teachings about various things um fasting and 
and some other things. So this is one of those controversial stories um, that we'll read about again, several others in, in the Gospels, um, which indicate his, the, the beginning of that conflict he has with the Pharisees and the scribes. Right. Yeah. So be looking for that um, sort of uh, low level simmering uh, controversial uh, confrontation mm -hmm. that is waiting, is bubbling to the surface. Um, and, uh, and, and that theme is definitely there. You already mentioned the setting, Capernaum, uh, about 20 miles what, northeast of Nazareth. Yeah, and uh, it kind of, it feels like this is sort of becoming his base of operations for a while. Like if we could safely say that Capernaum sort of becomes home for this Jesus home, right. for a while. Um, That's where many of his disciples call home as well. So it's kind of like his home base. Yeah, I've, I've actually been to, uh, you know, this humble brag, I guess. Um, when we were, we were doing a mission trip, uh, two years ago, three years ago, um, to aid refugees, uh, Syrian refugees that had fled across the border into mm -hmm. Jordan. Um, when we were finished with the, the Jordan part of the trip, we spent two or three days in uh, Israel. And Capernaum was one of the sites we got to go to. And just uh, to kind of give you a visual of what this place is like as you're trying to, to sort of uh, transport yourself into the setting of this scripture. Um, this is a town that's right on the Sea of Galilee. Um, and, and again, don't think of the Sea of Galilee as like a, like the Mediterranean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's more like a, a large lake. Um, and, uh, it is a freshwater body of water. The, uh, houses would have, many of them would have set right along the seashore. Um, you would have been a, a community that was, you know, it was fairly big for the day, you know, uh, maybe a few thousand people, uh, but not like a metropolis, not like Rome or Jerusalem, right. even, but yeah. like a kind of a, a more uh, kind of like a, what we'd say, maybe like a county seat type town, you know, uh, and it sits along the, 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 the side of the, the ocean. There's a synagogue there. Um, there's some other local industry, but really it's kind of got that, um, large, large town for a rural setting type of feel. And, uh, and so, and that the houses um, wouldn't have been huge. Uh, probably the house that Jesus is at, what do you think? Maybe 50 people could fit inside Maybe. of it? So yeah, most of them were pretty small and, and plain. Um, and the biggest industry in Capernaum at the time was fishing. Right. So this is a fishing village or town. Uh, not known for its wealth or any major profits or anything coming from. Uh, so you're looking at a, like you said, kind of like an Oklahoma county seat town. Right. Not big, not but not small, somewhere in between, and kind of a plain town. Well, and if you want to impress your friends, uh, you can ask them what kind of fish Jesus ate. I don't remember. There are two types of farmable fish in the Sea of the Galilee. Same. I don't remember one of them, but the other one is tilapia. So there's a That's really right. good chance. <laughs> if you if you want to be like, hey, do you want to know what kind of fish Jesus ate? He probably ate tilapia. Yeah, I mean, it seems it's really, wrong. really likely uh, that he's had tilapia in his life. Uh, and so, yeah, that's the kind of community we're looking at. The houses are modest. Um, and we're going to be focusing on the roof of this house and not to give anything away. 
but usually roofs would have been made with, uh, you know, branches and sticks combined with clay. Um, but, uh, and we don't get this from the Mark reading, but this, there's a parallel passage in Luke. Talks about there being tiles on this house, which there were some houses with tile as well. Um, so this might be a, a little bit, per, a person that was maybe a little bit better off whose house they're at um, because they could afford tile. Right. <laughs> and it would have been a flat roof. Right. Um, we, we read about in other places in the scripture where people would go on top of the house on the roof for, for prayer, meditation, right. or whatever. So it's kind of like an outdoor space as well. So it would have been a flat roof house, which all of them were, I think. Right. Uh, would have been in, in, in that day and era. So, yeah. Well, and many of the houses today are, are like that. When we were in Jordan, we went to the roof of buildings. And sure. Just, yeah. it's, it's kind of a, a tradition that's stuck around, I think, in the Middle East. And so uh, a very interesting setting, very interesting uh, characters that we're seeing uh, assemble for this narrative. Uh, anything else that sort of sticks out to you that we need to be aware of going into our reading of the scripture? We'll come across something as we go through. I think that's a pretty good uh, kind of a basis to work from. I think you're right. So let's go ahead and jump to our red letters, right. uh, which again today are from the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And I'm going to be re reading today, let's see, what is this? Uh, the English Standard Version. Hey, all right. So. Part 2, verses 1 through 12. Uh, you always get, you never know what you're going to get with, with right. uh, me. If we were better uh, planners, we probably would have chosen one translation and stuck with it. But I kind of like uh, the, the, the different wording of different translations at different times. And so uh, it all washes out in the end. The best translation is always going to be the one you actually read. Right. So here we go. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And it says this. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, he said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic. I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Part three, digging deeper. Well, there's nothing really to unpack there. Again, no, uh, just uh, just some light. Uh, was a short podcast today. Right, it really was. Uh, no, uh, there there is a ton to unpack. It turns out um, a lot going on. But so I'll let you sort of determine the order of this, Dyton. What are we What are we seeing here? 
we're seeing, uh, uh, for me anyway, what stands out here is this idea of a community of faith talking about the man, the, the, the paralytic and the four friends. Um, this is a community of faith uh, working, uh, working together to uh, help someone whose faith or who's, uh, who is unable to do for himself in one way or another. So um, for me, this is a, a time when you see an example of when one person's faith uh, is weak, you lean on the community of faith to get you through it. Sure. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of what happens when they they bring him to Jesus. They can't get to Jesus because of the crowd. So they do some pretty inventive things. Uh, this commitment to get the, their friend to Jesus. They tear a hole in the roof and lower the man in front of Jesus, right in front of Jesus. Right. Um, which if, it makes you wonder what the homeowner thought. Was going yeah. On. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. You know, uh the kind of the audacity of these yeah. of these uh, men sort of sticks out. I, I you know, I had I had, uh, one of my mentors in the faith, a guy named Rob Morris. He, his assertion was these had to be youths, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> like they, they had to be, uh, you know, you, you think of like a group of like teenagers or, or maybe young college guys that are willing to do, um, you know, just crazy things, right, to, for the people that they love. Um, and, you know, think about this, like they not only had to climb on top of the roof themselves, they had to bring their paralytic <laughs> friend up there <laughs> with them. Uh, and then uh, they, they, you know, just the visual of this, like imagine maybe a group of young Middle Eastern men climbing uh, a roof uh, with their friend who can't, like they had to haul him up oh, there as well. Well, they, they, uh, they're probably using their hands or maybe light tools to sort of dig through the dig roof, through right? Because yeah. it's, it's it's even if it's tile, it's probably a light tile and clay and and twigs, and so they're digging through, and then they make a big enough hole to lower their friend down. How do they come up with that system, yeah. right? Like, I mean, the the implication is they use his mat, right, that he's used right. to laying on, but you know, is is it ropes? Like, what what are they, do they doing do here? Uh, and and there's four of them, so that kind of the idea I get is. Each one has tied some sort of apparatus to an edge, and they're just lowering them down. And you know, you're like, "Hey, man, slow." How big does this hole have to be? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They probably get dirt they on them, right? Everywhere. Right. And what does Jesus think? Stuff falling on him. He looks up. And yeah, there, there's no way this was subtle. There's no subtlety at all. Of it. Like you said, they had to haul their friend up there somehow with all that trouble. Uh, which, I mean, like you said, it gives you this image of young guys. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I don't want to say it could have been like, you know, these guys could have been a bridge club. I have no yeah, idea. No. But I mean, they, they are determined to do whatever it takes to get their friend in front of Jesus. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it is. Um, it is fantastic. <laughs> I don't know that either one of us would have gone to that length to get someone to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and uh, as people who get paid to bring people to Jesus, yeah, <laughs> you, you know, I, I think uh, I think it it you know it, it's it leads into that next part of the conversation, right? Like uh, Jesus uh, sees them, uh, you know, uh, and he says, "When Jesus saw their faith, now." Um, you know, obviously the young, the, the young men or the, the men who did this, like he sees their faith, but 
you know, the question is like, is he also talking about the paralytic? The like he's part of the group as well. You know, we don't, what, that's what's, what's, uh, what's always hard is when we don't exactly know the motivations of each person in the room, right? Um, and so is Jesus talking about uh, them or is he talking about them and the, the paralytic? Uh, we don't know, but he, it says Jesus saw their faith. And he said, your sins are forgiven. So part of this is based on the faith of the people that are coming. And then part of it's based on Jesus's compassion. And then we see this other element where Jesus forgives the man's sin. And are they directly connected? What's happening here? I mean, it's a curious conversation. Um, Why why is... Uh, Jesus able to forgive sin based on, well, like you said, we don't have any evidence that that Jesus was talking about the paralytic's faith. Right. I mean, it's kind of implied there, um, but is there a correlation between um, the paralytic or, or the, the friends of the paralytic and their faith, their determination to bring him to Jesus, and Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven? Don't know. That's an interesting question. And is Jesus is, provoking the conversation? Does he have to do this to heal the guy? At all, yeah. And and he's doing it. I mean, Jesus knows the scribes are sitting there watching this. He <laughs> right. knows that. So it's almost like he's egging them on. You know, right? Elbows Peter and winks at him and says, "Watch this. Your sins are forgiven." <laughs> and they just explode. You know, the scribes just go off on that uh, because they're the ones that are watching the law. They're the ones that kind of define what is. In this case, they say blasphemy or not blasphemy. They think Jesus is blaspheming. Right. Well, and, and I, maybe it's in, maybe it's important to know how did you get rid of sins yeah. in, in, in in their culture, right? I'm thinking specifically of like Rosh Hashanah, right? Yeah. <laughs> like like you put all of the sins of the people on the scapegoat mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year and you you kill it. That's right. <laughs> and, and there's all of our sins are dead, and then you put the rest of the sins on another goat and it goes out into mm-hmm. the desert. That's right. And you're hoping that it t- takes the sin with it, yeah. right? So, uh, and, and only God, like God accepted that offering as, as a substitute for sin. But then the people of Israel immediately started sinning some more. And that's why you had to do this ritual again. And again, that's why there are all these other rituals for, for sin offerings. And, you know, uh, and it becomes a, uh, a theme that like, right, there there is no appeasing God without sacrifice. There is no forgiveness of sins without, without blood being on your hands. And Jesus just, you know, from their standpoint, casually says, your sins are forgiven. forgiven. Right. Uh, And they immediately think that's blasphemy. Yeah, they do. I mean, they just call them out on it, which is blasphemy is what? Uttering, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uttering, uh, you know, Profane, profane, or slanderous words right. about God and who God is, and so for Jesus, in their eyes, for Jesus to claim that kind of authority that's on the same level as God, right? Then he's a blasphemer. Well, maybe they're right. Yeah. <laughs> if Jesus isn't the Son of if God, he if not, He is not God in the flesh, maybe, maybe they have a, a valid point. Well, even responds to that, so that you know the Son of Man has this authority, and then he turns to the right. to the paralytic, and not only does he forgive his sins, now he heals him. Right, right. What the, the heck? The healing was like in. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to say that Jesus would ever consider a person a prop, 
or, or a point to be made. But the, the healing sort of comes as a, as a side, you know, uh, a side benefit, right? As if to say, okay, our for, the forgiveness of our sins is really the thing that matters. Like, right. That's where the real healing takes place. But just so you know, just to make it hey, dude, get up your mat, go, go. go <laughs> You're good. So, yeah, and, and you know, what did they do? It doesn't say exactly what they said, the, the scribes, but other than what, we've never seen anything like this. You know, uh, so it's a, it's a, it's almost like Jesus is taunting them and he's being um, crystal clear on, on who he is and what his authority is. Right. And, and uh, you know what I, I love about the way this, this particular pericope ends. Okay. I'd use the big $5 church word there. Pericope is just a section of scripture in case you didn't know. I'm, so I'm looking at you, computer. Uh, you can sense that. <laughs> Go out and use that in a conversation. Yeah, yeah there's week. your $5 this church word of the week. Maybe that should be a segment. $5 church there word of the week. There we go. We could discuss the words of the church. <laughs> so, but I love the way this ends. It says, he rose, immediately picked up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Does that, I mean, that all seems to... Include the scribes. Yeah, not only were they amazed at what they just seen, they began to give give God the glory. So it's like they've done a one eighty, right? Including, like you said, including the scribes. Right. Maybe he finally got his point across to some scribes. Well, we sort of tend to view them in you know if you've been uh, following along with the the narrative with us for the last thirteen episodes. Well, you know, we sort of we can fall into that trap really easily of thinking that the scribes are this static group of people that they never have their minds changed or that they're never right. impressed by anything Jesus does. Or, you know, I think that's that's a little unfair because, you know, that'd be like saying, you know, the people at church are which we you know, as pastors, we hear all the, all time. the time. Yeah, they're they're, you know, hypocritical and blah, blah, blah. Well, no, some people are for sure. Right, like I, I'm hypocritical sometimes. Sure, it's, it's uh, like, but but to say, you know, to, when we start lumping them all as like a a group of people, uh, we don't always see that there's nuances to that. There are some people that apparently were amazed and glorified God at what Jesus was doing. That makes you wonder if scribes witnessed this or some other of Jesus's works, uh, if ever, if they ever became followers. Right, right. I mean, I think there's there's a a good case to be made, yeah. right? I'm, you know, I, you know, I think there's some evidence that that might have happened, well, yeah, right? You like, saw Nicodemus, you mentioned, right, right, uh, becoming a follower. So maybe there's some of the scribes did as well after seeing with their own eyes, right? And there's certainly like when we see later on in the Book of Acts after Jesus, uh, you know, resurrects and ascends to heaven, you know, there, there, there seems to be some debate in the Sanhedrin about Jesus. It's right. not just a open shut case that he's blasphemous and and uh and not you know not who we, we think uh as modern christians think he was so yeah maybe maybe that does get through but the bigger question i think jesus is asking or or, or maybe the bigger point he's making even is that like there is forgiveness to be had that comes from god but that he's offering it as a human being in the role of a human being Right. right, like that. Maybe there are times when we need to be able to forgive sin as well, or human beings do. Um, and I, I think that that's 
interesting, you know, uh, any, anytime we read a text, it's always good to read what came before and what comes after. And right after this, Jesus, you know, calls Levi, the tax collector, the tax collector is, yeah. you know, who would have been considered the, the biggest sinner that you could be in ancient, ancient Judea. Um, he is, uh, he is the next person to be called to be a disciple right after we get this section about Jesus forgiving sins. Right. Yeah. I mean, Jesus kind of upends everything. I mean, none of the scribes or Pharisees would have considered Levi worthy of, of being a person of the faith. Right. He, he was probably the most shunned kind of individual in the day. But Jesus calls him to be a disciple, uh, which goes against all of cultural norms of the day, as as does his the story about healing a paralytic. So he's doing things that upset everybody. Right. It's counterintuitive. Like if I was going to pick my Saints All-Star squad, uh, I'm probably looking for, you know, other rabbis yeah, right. or like, you know, people that are uh, considered to be people of virtue, not the riffraff. Right. That, you know, and later on, we'll see Jesus uh, is accused of um, eating and drinking with tax collectors and prostitutes. Right. The biggest uh, heathens of the day. And <laughs> Jesus is with he them. Welcomes them in. And he, he offers them forgiveness. So uh, is there anything about this ancient context that you want to talk about any more? No, I think uh, I think I've said my piece on all the notes I have, but uh, it is a great story um, for us to consider. Part four: Making it real. Absolutely. So, how do we apply? Like, what lessons do we take with this for us today? Yeah, the one thing that really sticks out for me, like I said at the beginning, is um, you know. When our faith is weak or when we're tired and worn out, um, it's by leaning on the, the faith of the community around us that brings that kind of healing, like right. we see here. Paralytic is unable to do for himself uh, many things, including going to see Jesus. He can't get there without help from his friends. Um, and, and they take him, and we see the result of that. He is, he is given some, he's forgiven. He is healed. Um, so this is a story for me about <clears throat> the true meaning of a community of faith. When I get tired, when my faith seems weak, I lean on the community to get me through it till I'm able to pick it up uh, for myself again. Right. And, and that also that means that we as followers of Jesus, um, we also have a, a responsibility, right? right, to do anything we can to get people to the feet of Jesus, to help them to find healing. Right. Um, Not just body healing, healing of the body, like in this example, but, but, you know, spirit, mind, everything. Yeah. Right. So this is a great story. It's a good point about we do whatever it's whatever it takes to get people in front of Jesus. Right. And, and that we shouldn't cut people out too easily. Right. right. The, the scribes are 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 these people that uh, are extremely skeptical, skeptical, skeptical of uh, Jesus and his divine claims of authority. Um, and yet they are also some part of the crowd that walks away awed and glorifying God. Starting to glorify God. Right? Yeah. So never can't cast aside anybody just based on what, what we perceive about them. I mean, that's what Jesus does with Levi. You talked about everybody around Levi viewed him as, unforgivable, cast off, uh, hated him, but Jesus sees something more. Right. Well, and, and one of the, if we're going to knock on the scribes, like 
in this next passage, which we'll, we'll talk about at a later date. But, uh, you know, they've, they've seen Jesus heal sin uh, or heal, heal this man of his physical affliction. They've, they've seen him forgive his sins. And then they're, you know, it's the next passage where we, we start talking about the scribes again the scribes. being yeah. upset <laughs> that he's hanging out with tax That's collectors right. and prostitutes, right? Yep, scribes and Pharisees. So this puts them to the test. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, you know, um, never judge a book by its cover, exactly. I guess, and never doubt that Jesus can bring healing, but also never doubt that God wants to forgive you of your sins. Exactly. So awesome. Anything else you'd want to add? I think that's it. I think we did a pretty good job unpacking a lot of that stuff. Yeah, quickly, sure, too, quickly. for us, you know. In spite of the fact. <laughs> yeah, those the 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 uh, you know the the spirit is with us. That's how that's, that's how we do it. That's how we do it. The Holy Spirit kept the computer running and recording, apparently. So, well, if you guys are uh, are are listening, we thank you, and we uh, we just ask you uh, tell your friends and give us a rating on whatever app you're using, and help others to find this app as well. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. See you next time. This podcast is a ministry of Chapel Hill United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, go to mychapelhill.org.